Be some, must have been some sort of Zoom upgrade. Hmm. Yeah, back to normal. Back to doing it over Zoom, where the sound quality lives strong. <laughs> yeah, where everyone sounds like a human being. Where uh, the yeah. the echo it doesn't sound like we're recording uh, in a, a cave in the ocean. Well, for all the audience knows, we were. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Uh, never again. I have like new. I have new tech. So the next time we record in per, like we're gonna have like actual the proper things to record in person together next to each other. I'm excited. We're going to be like one of the, like Google or Amazon. It's like the return to office is going to be mandated, but ever, but instead it's every three podcasts we have to get together. <laughs> every three podcasts. <laughs> it's it's law. It's for the camaraderie. It's for the sake, you know, the sake of the business. You know, you can't really make uh, ideas the same way. Part of idea making involves interaction with human beings in person. What is podcasting if not a collaboration, Patrick? Collaboration where ideas are shared and exchanged. I mean, like, you imagine how much more pertinent the co- our commentary on Southpaw is going to be <laughs> if we were in person. Yeah, think of all the interesting, if we were next to each other, uh, like, you know, in a cubicle or whatever, think of all the things we would say about 50 Cent and uh, <laughs> Kurt Sutter <laughs> and how uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the uh, behind the scenes people are the same people that worked on Avatar. Yeah, I mean, just, just... I, you know, there's a there's a buzzword. In the tech world, it's called disruption. And what I think the hell? I don't know what that is. We, we may have just disrupted the entire discourse <laughs> on, on <laughs> fucking Southpaw. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. I am Don Saunderson. I'm Patrick Gremion, and that, that just disrupted my tummy i think i'm gonna be sick <laughs> oh no <laughs> welcome to the academy yeah. and welcome back it has been a bit we've it's, mm. you know you name it over the last say month yeah it's happened both good and bad <laughs> like good things highs uh, and lows <laughs> uh you know new jobs sicknesses uh traveling family yeah everything. i mean everything everything it's, it's, it's like don and i are living in uh, parallel Robert Altman films. Yeah, some would say, uh, you know, we're we're living a life beyond the pod. We're trying to live both lives, but it's hard. It's got, it's tripping. got, it's goddamn hard. Tripping the pod, fantastic. Indeed, yeah, you got me straight tripping, boo. <laughs> tripping the boo, fantastic. I, I forgot about that. Was, so I stayed at my parents' house for three weeks in December, and I got very sick. To the oh. point where I had pneumonia. I told you about it. I'm better now, but it wasn't good. Yeah. And I sat in their basement watching TV, and they've got their DVD shelves. And you know what was staring right at me in the B section in their DVD shelf? Mocking you? I, I'm like, man, this pneumonia's got me straight tripping, boo. There's a DVD of bringing down the house. It wasn't it was begging you. Like, watch me, Don. Well, and Jen was watching Shit's Creek. 
at that time too. She was finally mm-hmm. catching up on that program. And Eugene Levy, he's yeah. on that. He was everywhere. He was everywhere. Maybe it was just a fever dream that I was having with Levy just everywhere. But uh, anyway, we're back this week. Oh yeah, back with Antoine Fuqua. We're back to our regular schedule. Those of you who have been on the edge of your seats for our highly anticipated discussion of Ridley Scott's latest movie, Napoleon, well, Mm. keep that edge of your seat warm because you're going to have to be there a little bit longer. Uh, That episode will come at some point. But um, full disclosure, Patrick and I saw it near opening weekend. All of this happened in our lives. And we do not feel that we could provide the accurate um, discourse. It, it's almost as if Napoleon. I've, it's almost, it's almost as if I've completely forgotten everything I've watched in that film. Yeah, it's almost as if it wasn't hugely mem- memorable. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mr. Cellophane. That's what they're yeah. calling Napoleon. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to it at some point. Uh, it has just hit premium VOD for 20 bucks. We're not going to ask any of you to rent it for 20 bucks on pay-per-view, but no, it'll no, be no. on Apple TV soon enough. When it gets on Apple TV, we'll watch it again, and then we will discuss our final really Scott movie thus far. I mean, Gladiator 2 comes out later this, later this year. Ooh. This is this is the miniseries that is going to be longer than the combined the previous combined runs of our pod. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. <laughs> but anyway, speaking of miniseries, we are back with the Equalizer himself, Antoine Ooh. Fuqua. And we're going to be taking a look at his 2015 film, Southpaw. Southpaw is currently on Showtime or Paramount Plus. I think it's Paramount. I don't know the difference at this point. I think they're the same thing. Paramount Plus and Showtime at this point. Am I am I right there? Um, I think you're. It's so between HBO and Max and Showtime and Paramount Plus, it's all fine. And I think Stars might be going south soon. It's all it's all falling apart. And I subscribe to all of them. Yeah, because for the sake of the show, I mean, every movie we watch are like Stars, home run choices. Stars or Showtime. That's true. Like movies, like. And Southpaw is 100% a, whatever a Paramount Plus slash Showtime movie is, Southpaw fits the bill. Oh, yeah, it, it definitely. I could definitely see like, you know, you're you're in your uh, your living room. You just finished uh, four episodes of Yellowstone and an episode of Mom. What are you going to watch next? Yeah, you're watching you, Southpaw. You finished Ray Donovan. What are all you of them. All of what? Ray Donovan. You watch the entire series, Ray Donovan. <laughs> you, you're you like, were... man, I need another like dumbass meathead to watch for two hours. <laughs> I need another shot of uh, what's the closest thing to uh, a, a Leave Schreiber type character? Oh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Maybe he's yeah, maybe, not really. Uh, <laughs> maybe not. not really, maybe not enough. at all. Not at all. <laughs> so, what is Southpaw? Mm. Believe in hope. That was the tagline. Fuck off. Get yeah, out I of know. here. Because we want to drop whoever wrote that with a stone cold stunner. Um, <laughs> gonna give that guy a wedgie. Billy the Great Hope, the reigning junior middleweight middleweight boxing champion, has an impressive career, a loving wife, 
and daughter and a lavish lifestyle. However, What the hell? when tragedy strikes, Billy hits rock bottom, losing his No. family, his house, and No. his manager, most important of all. He soon finds an unlikely saver in Tick Willis, a former fighter who trains the city's toughest amateur boxers. With his future on the line, Hope fights to reclaim the trust of those he loves the most. Tick Willis. Five stars. <laughs> um, <laughs> Tick so yeah, Willis. that was the letterbox description, which I'm going to, I think that will help narrow things down for us going forward. Yeah, that's a great, <laughs> I like that technique. Rambling, rambling attempt at the logline. It was a longer logline, but um, so what is Southpaw? Southpaw mm. is a boxing movie. Right. It is a movie that has an interesting kind of impetus because mm. the it was kind of one of these scripts that was bouncing around for a bit. And the main reason for that is um, it was destined at the time to be Eminem's follow-up leading acting performance after 8 Mile, which kind of surprised everyone by being a massive success. And... Um, also, he was good. In it. Yeah, despite he's also you know, also himself. very memorable. Uh, my big memory of Eight Mile is the scene where, uh, like, what five foot three Eminem beats the crap out of like Michael Shannon, <laughs> this guy, this Tom Cruise hidden person who's beating is a very old, uh, David and Goliath scenario, in my opinion. So, um, Patrick, what is your like? background like with Eminem I'm curious Ooh. as someone who's about like 10 years younger than me uh, let's see I remember uh, give or take whatever yeah 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 no but like uh, trying to think because like I wasn't like into him I guess I was into him a little bit like I remember Slim Shady and all that stuff and like like being like oh that's kind of cool like he's so raunchy oh my god uh, I remember D12 yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I, but I wasn't like a huge, I wasn't like on the Eminem train. If I was like born five years earlier, I probably would have been hardcore on the Eminem train. Uh, I think I was just like a little, a little late to that party. I like new metal a lot, I guess. I don't know, <laughs> which is, I guess, <laughs> like, kind of like spiritually he similar. Spiritually similar. He hung with the Limp Bizkit and Kid Rock crowds, <laughs> yeah. certainly. And, um, yeah, he emerged golly right around my like junior senior high school junior year Ooh, high perfect. school so i was kind of like um maybe too old or two or at the right time no right per we were the, every, we're standing if you were a rock fan if you were a rap fan if you were a fan of popular culture in any way shape or form you owned eminem's first two cds like if you were that like everyone i knew did i i saw him at the um at the warp tour on a Ooh. side stage on his first record i bought a shirt that said my name is i was very into it um in retrospect he... it feels very very silly oh the it, entire it thing it totally but... is but like i think like it he is i feel like one of the last american artists that i feel like the entire world like i feel like eminem was one of those people where you went to like you could be in Saudi Arabia, you could be in Japan, you could be in, like, Just Russia, and, like, massive. everyone loved Eminem, yeah. Or at least had, like, an opinion on him, you yes. know, like, 
he he was thought of by everyone. Like everyone knew who he was. You were either a fan or you thought he was like the downfall of popular culture, like you know, oh, yeah. civilized like society. A... Um He was America's little stinker. Yeah, he was. And he like you know, he ripped into like the NSYNCs and the Britney Spears and the Christina Aguilera's of the world. He he ripped into Moby, which was really funny because Moby That's got good. very high and mighty on him and like like shut up, Moby. But, Moby sucks. That's yeah, great. <laughs> Another guy that deserves a swirly. He's on yeah. swirly number two. I know. It's like, man, like I'm just gonna hang you from the locker with you by your underpants right now, man. <laughs> but so I remember like Eight Mile was huge, <laughs> and Eight Mile is really interesting because it was directed by Curtis Hansen, and that was such a smart move to like bring in like a like real director, yeah, seasoned professional, like, yeah, like somebody <laughs> like yeah, who's like I could get this over the finish line well, like yeah, you know, that's oh man, well, and they tried to recreate that with uh, Get Richard tries die trying because oh, I, I remember Jim Sheridan who yes. did uh, like In the Name of the Father directed, yeah, they did <laughs> exactly. the exact same thing, they did the exact same like model. It was like, and I don't blame them. I would have done yeah, that too. <laughs> same. If I was, you know, like in that same situation, yeah, you'd be like, okay, let's find uh, Mike Newell or something. Yeah, it's like, get, yeah, get get a like a pro's pro to come in and take care of business. Yeah. Let's get Stephen Daldry to make this um, little Wayne movie. So he's supposed to play Billy Hope, and the script was written like very, very inspired by Eminem and his personal stuff and everything like that mm -hmm. and basically in a way it was supposed to be a, a little bit more fictionalized but kind of a continuation of like 8 Mile in oh. a way except rather than a rapper he's like a world champion boxer but it's still oh. there like it's still even in this um in this story because it's like you know, Eminem, one of his big, like, the big narratives about Eminem was that he was, like, this, like, scumbag, but he was actually, like, a good dad who really, really loved his daughter. Mm. And that remains kind of in the heart of this movie, South. Yeah. Even though uh, like, Eminem's not in it. I mean, that um, is such an, uh, like, um, America loves a guy who's rough around the edges, but deep down, he's going to do whatever it takes for his damn family. I know, and but it's an issue with this movie because it's like it's not dramatic. We oh. know it. We know how it. Never mind. It's pain. We'll get there. Pain, we'll get, pain we'll by get the numbers. There. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the script to this movie is written by a gentleman by the name of Kurt Sutter. Now, Patrick, what is your background with Kurt Sutter? Uh, the original Wild Hog himself? Yeah. Um, and Kurt Sutter, of course, <laughs> is probably best known as the writer, creator, liver livers Liv not the body Liv part but like the like actual Ex like life experiencer ex life experiencer <laughs> of sons of anarchy um a show i've never seen an episode of Full never oh my god we should just we should just do a sons of anarchy pod dude let's just get into it it's a stupid there's like one or two seasons where it's kind of like a a normal prestige show maybe like like a hair stupider than most like HBO fair, but it's still kind of like, Oh, you know, I get it. And there's like a, there's like a reality to what's happening. And then there's a certain point where it goes off the rails and suddenly you have seasons where like babies get captured and 
taken to Ireland and the, the, the biker boys have to go to Ireland and like fight the IRA or something. And it's, it, it, it gets so off the rails. So like when, like once season three happens, things just become, it jumps the shark and becomes very just deeply insane and ridiculous. Uh, but he seems like quite a character, like just from afar. This yeah. this guy and he seems to have a style that um, if you were on his kind of wavelength, it's like almost like um, Biker Boys Sorkin. In a way, it's like he's like your favorite guy. Basically. Yeah, he like, he's like what if the guy you want the the toughest hombre in the saloon was also a damn wordsmith? Yeah, exactly. Like that's man, like yeah, that's like the 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 the. Uh, the, the cult of personality he's he's crafted about himself, which was something like the er, those early showrunners, like when shows started getting good, basically, they all had like some element of like they were the actual star and it was their like psychology that was being plumbed via the show and stuff. Like yeah, that. it's like what's up with this David Milch guy? Yeah, yeah, no, and they're all, yeah, they're all kind of like cowboys, like David Milch or Kirk Sutter, oh, yeah. like, you know, like <laughs> Sorkin even too, like, they're all kind of like, not that, I don't think Kurt Sutter was, but Milch and Sorkin were certainly like coked out wild men. Oh, for sure. Well, and like, I feel like, um, yeah, like Tom Fontana was like a wild guy too, like all these like weird, uh, who was David Chase, I feel like he had like a... Well, David Chase is like David Chase's cool thing was he hated TV, and he found it Ooh. embarrassing because he just wanted to do because movies were his like he had he has true <laughs> movie mindset. Oh no, <laughs> that's tragic. It's Truly. tragic. Yeah, and he's like this, and he's had to reckon with the fact that despite having movie mindset, he made the greatest TV show ever made. <laughs> no, <laughs> that is such a a monkey's paw. That is such yeah. a he he wished wrong from a genie and. He's living his nightmare, and the, oh, and then he made a was it Many Saints of Newark, didn't he? Yeah, and I never saw yeah. the Sopranos movie. I, I just didn't really want to open the same way. I didn't watch the Breaking Bad movie. I just don't. Yeah. I kind of like it as is. I don't need more. It's yeah, I, I, and I hate like I think my least favorite thing at this point is a prequel. Like I want to go forward. I don't want to see like we know how. I think the big problem with a prequel is like. We know the end of a prequel. Like, it's gonna just like lead to what happens in the first movie. Like, get like I don't know. Like I just, not I don't know. Just doesn't interest me. Get out of here, prequels. Yeah, I, I, I don't care. I don't care. Yeah, yeah I don't care. Too much stuff. Stuff yeah. is too long. Get out of stuff, here, stuff. Yeah, stuff is too long. Okay. So they basically and apparently the producers Alan and Peter Rich of the film like. They kind of wanted to make a movie similar to this movie called The Champ, which is a father-daughter relationship boxing movie uh, with Wallace Beery – or father-son, I think. Boy, that's an old one. Then they remade it in 79. That's the one I'm thinking of. With like Ryan O'Neill uh, maybe or no? John Voight and Ricky oh, Schroeder. Ricky Schroeder. Ricky Schroeder. Yeah, yeah, little Ricky Schroeder. Now like no. a diehard anti-vaxxer. Anyway. Oh, Ricky, no. no Ri oh, Ricky, no. <laughs> um, Ricky. Uh, but I guess Ricky that gets into yeah. it. Like, there is a... um, 
in like American movies. And I don't know Mm -hmm. if it's like, if there's any culture of this. I can't really think of too many, maybe a different fighting style or whatever, but like the boxing movie from basically the beginning of motion pictures in Hollywood and that kind of thing has absolutely and utterly fascinated filmmakers and in particular leading actors. It's kind of like a testing ground for your like physicality and your masculinity and everything in between. Boxing and movies have a weird relationship with each other. And this even goes to like how like a lot of the like actor studio actors took up boxing in like the fifties and sixties mm. because it was almost um a way to prove their masculinity. It's a, it's, it's, there's a performative element to it. And it's very mm-hmm. like, it's also just very cinematic compared to a lot of yes. other, like, he, yes. yeah, like most, I feel like most sports don't have that like same level of like, yeah, just like the frenetic nature of boxing, the physicality, mm-hmm. the, the physicality, the violence, the individuality. You yeah. Know, it's an individual sport too. And I think, um, I mean, if you look even to somebody like, Mickey Rourke, who tried to become a professional boxer and ruined his beautiful near androgynous looks. Yeah. <laughs> by doing it. There's something interesting there. And I think though, there's there's really great boxing movies prior to a certain time period. Movies like um The Setup with Robert Ryan, which is a really solid movie, really more than solid, really great movie. Uh, Body and Soul with John Garfield um, and many others. Um, mm-hmm. But what most actors, most directors are in the shadow of are kind of the two pillars of the late 70s, early 80s, which is Rocky and Raging Bull. Yep. For two varying diff- very different reasons. Rocky is like just a you know kind of set the template Stallone living the story basically of being the underdog it's like the ultimate sports movie underdog movie yeah it's like a a, a classic example of like feel good cinema like even it's though a, yeah he loses no like, way a, no way no um <laughs> and then of course 1980s raging bull has set the standard for wannabe method actors yeah, <laughs> basically ground zero, <laughs> zero AD. Um, like, <laughs> it's like uh, a lot of people uh, in it. A movie that has led a lot of men, male actors, down desperate <laughs> roads to try and win Academy <laughs> Awards and that kind of De- desperate and annoying roads. Desperate and annoying roads. Yes, um, and we all know. <laughs> I mean, the basic story is. Robert De Niro gets an impeccable shape to play Jake LaMotta at his peak. Then they take six months off so he can eat ice cream all day. For the shot, to this day, I mean, I watched the movie last year. You're stunned. Yeah. And, you know, takes boxing lessons with the real guy, lives it completely. And. Yeah, basically sets the tone for how every actor since who wants to be considered a serious actor thinks they have to behave and go about their role. Mm-hmm. Better or worse. 
that. I mean, every yeah, body, it, every body transformation, every ugling up, yep, you have seen in a movie since Raging Bull has been because of Raging Bull. Yeah, pr- probably no Daniel Day Lewis, no Jared Leto, no. And the, yeah, and there are variations now, like Daniel Day Lewis. He does it great. Like, yeah, he's he, great. Yeah, you know, our, the... our, our guy Jared Leto is a little wacky at it. And I yeah. kind of Christian Bale between them. <laughs> you know, it's like... Yeah, Christian Bale's a good, like, yeah, if you took, like, a, um, if you had some sort of, like, built scale from, like, Leto to, to mm. Lewis, yeah, he's right in the middle. It's true. He's right there. He's the median yeah. of, you know, he's really good. But is this getting a little weird and goofy with the wigs and the weight gain yeah yeah probably <laughs> yeah it was american gangster a bit much yeah the american hustle <laughs> american hustle american gangster what am i saying american hustle I wish, I wish he was playing i wish he had played russell crowe's character in american gangster but as the guy he was in american hustle and that's and that's when i busted that crime lord <laughs> like this 250 pounds balding man oh the great <laughs> just constantly sweating oh, oh man it would have been terrific but mm. yeah so and i think this movie is a prime example of kind of that influence mm. uh, and we'll get to that in a moment because eminem ended up dropping out of the movie like mm. it's written for him designed for him yeah. Um, and I think the cheesiness and the silliness of it by going with like the stunt casting of this like megastar who can't really like it's not really about acting, it's about Eminem playing a boxer. Mm-hmm. Um, they probably could have gotten away with like the cliches and the silliness of it. But now we're stuck with a script that's actually just gonna become a real movie <laughs> rather than like a pop cultural event. Yeah, it's because like, e- e- there's a re like part of the reason why this movie, and we're gonna get to our discussion of our opinions and whatever soon. But but I think like it's safe to say that both of us, to a certain extent, kind of feel this movie's a little, little threadbare in certain parts, yeah. like a little or or yeah, or paint by numbers. And uh, part of that is probably because they were really riding on. You know, Eminem and his presence making up like, you know, I guess there making are certain for a lot. Yeah. 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 And the way that like you watch the equalizer and you have to wonder, like, would this work as well if Denzel Washington wasn't the equalizer? Like if he had a, a lesser actor? Well, no, I, I mean, I love this guy, but like, say Denzel dropped out like the day before he got like a uh, he had appendicitis or yeah. something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and a giant, a giant bird yeah. picked him up and put him in a nest. Yeah. And they're like, who's around? We just got to get somebody. And like, oh, there's David Harbour. He's here on set. Let's move him into the plane, the Equalizer. I like David Harbour a lot. I do too, yeah. He's not Denzel Washington. No, you need like... He, have... he'd, be the, he'd be the first person to fucking tell you that too. He's smart That's... enough to know that. Yeah, <laughs> like David Harbour has uh, charisma. He's not bad, but like there's certain roles you can fill. Like you need like, at the very least, you would need a Ron Perlman. Denzel Washington is in a ton of bad movies that are awesome and good because Denzel Washington is in them. Yeah. Like, if anyone else is in them, they are bad movies. 
He and brings us, yeah, he has a unique set of skills that only he can provide. That's <laughs> why you pay him the big bucks, man. Yeah. You drive $20 million up to his house without blinking. So, and Kurt Sutter, like, wrote this, like, I think this is, like, like I said, I don't know his work beyond this movie. I know his reputation. I've read about him. I've read interviews mm-hmm. with him because I think he's interesting, but I just don't really have the energy to watch eight seasons of Sons of Anarchy. And mm-hmm. I've never seen. I've actually never seen an episode of The Shield either, which is where I've never seen name. it either. Yeah. Um. Again, like, it's not really like. It's such was, a huge commitment. I was a Mad Men guy. I like I like watching people like stare out the window existentially. <laughs> like, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> but um, he seems like a guy who like likes living in kind of like the heightened tropes like heightened masculine tropes yes heightened storytelling tropes he's not really looking to um you know remake the wheel or whatever you know like he wants to like have like you know he probably saw you know when he was a kid it's like i saw star wars on the waterfront raging bull those are my favorite movies and that's that's what i do yeah (laughs) it's it's like it's it's like ty west's uh Top ten movies uh, yeah. that you ever seen is like where he like no, he. And Godfather, they're all good movies. Yeah, they're all good. Yeah, movies. like I love The Godfather. That's a great movie. Perfect. Yeah. yeah, and you don't have to be like Quentin Tarantino or Wes Anderson or Paul Thomas yeah. Anderson. Like some people just, you know, like I kind of admire like somebody like John Favreau who's like, yeah, I like Star Wars. Good for him. That rules. Yeah, like, him. Yeah, like, yes, and, and also, like, we need like people like that to make art because Star Wars clearly like resonated with a lot of people. And yeah, so, like, I mean, they, I, it, yeah, it can't, it can't be like, yeah, it can't just be people like uh, that love, uh, you know, I don't know the the works of uh, Ernest Lube. Although, like, maybe there should be more of that represented. It's tough. It's a tough. But I think, yeah, it's like there should, uh, be. yeah. All kinds of movies, but yeah, there we go. So there we go. We talked a little bit about, and so what ha- ended up happening is that Jake Gyllenhaal took on the role of Billy Hope over Eminem. And now we've talked about Jake in our ambulance episode. Have we talked about? Did we have we done any other Jake Gyllenhaal? I'm not, not really. Oh, we did Zodiac. That was it. oh, that was the other yeah. Time. He's we great in Zodiac. He is very perfectly good cast in that. Yeah, yeah. Re- yeah, and we kind of got into. A little bit, and we'll talk about him again. He's in the guilty, the uh, another Antoine Fuqua movie we're going to cover. Um, oh man, that's that's what I, I've only heard the name I of. I saw it. I did see it. It was on Netflix during like the pandemic. Oh, so it's like something to do. Um, anyway, uh, was he guilty? Oh, you'll just have to find out. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I will never forget. Like they released like a photo. Like a promo photo before there was even a trailer of Jake Gyllenhaal in the ring in this. <laughs> it was just like Jesus. Like look at him. Like, he, I mean, the physical. He's absolutely jacked. He's got like a buzz cut and he's covered in tattoos. Oh man! And you're like, I... oh, he's going for it here and you could tell from just that photo like he's going for it oh yeah the, uh, i'm looking at like yeah just like uh a photo of him like grimacing and he's wearing like the hope like you know <laughs> boxing 
shorts and the yeah he looks yeah he's going all in he looks yeah he's yeah he goes all in and we'll talk about him in a bit i want to get back to this other point the uh, other flip side and back to like the main reason why we're even talking about this movie so Mm. martin scorsese also with raging bull affected behind the camera the boxing movie hmm he has said many times, I don't care about boxing. I don't really like sports. He's a movie guy. <laughs> like he's a, De- he's, a, he's a nerd. We love him. And he's a De- nerd. And De Niro had to like talk him into making Raging Ball. Um, but he is a movie guy. And so yeah. when you watch Raging Ball, the care I mean, I think it's one of the best directed movies ever made. I think it's one of the best movies ever made, yeah. so I'm already in the bag for it. But the cinematic language that he's presenting is so great so revolutionary and so imprinted Mm. on your brain that everyone who has had to direct a boxing movie since and there have been a ton of boxing movies since Mm -hmm. i mean there's been like 10 rockies and creeds uh, let alone everything else um has been in the shadow of raging bull Mm-hmm. And I remember when The Fighter came out, uh, David O. Russell was talking about that exact thing. And he said that you have to look for a different way to shoot because everyone has seen how Rocky looks and everyone has seen how Raging Bull looks. So how can you put your stamp on the boxing movie? Mm-hmm. At this stage of the game in which everyone has tried a boxing movie. There needs and to be a twist, yeah. There needs to be a twist the way he shot. David O. Russell ended up going with the um, cameras that they used for HBO boxing in the early 90s to shoot the boxing matches and reshoot them like they looked when they were on HBO. Mm-hmm. And I like that idea. That's a great... Um... Yeah. It immerses you in the world more. Yeah. Yeah. And so... And I think like... Um... I haven't seen Creed three, but it seems like Michael B. Jordan almost is going for like a. Um, he, I remember him saying in interviews that he was really influenced by like video games and Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, he's he's influenced by anime. Like, yeah, and <laughs> it's so, a real yeah. And I and like I mean, no, you know, God bless him. Like, I think that's great that he's trying something different. I saw the preview and I was like, this is like making me a little dizzy. <laughs> more so than anything else yeah there's a lot weird it. to me it's but very it, arch yeah and i think like you know ryan coogler tried something different with creed um mm-hmm. and down the line um and then there's been a million other examples though of like movies like grudge match which i've never seen because i made me too depressed the one with stallone and <laughs> yeah De Niro old um that one bums me out that, that Leo, one yeah brought up leo schreiber he did do a he did a boxing movie oh yeah um i did uh, miles you, teller you like that one the bleed for me yeah uh, that's a great Ed, edgar ramirez is in one that i'm like all these actors become, it is... yeah it's become a I want to get in shape. I want to do that. I want to like do all these like these things. Yeah. And even like, um, you know, like Wahlberg and the fighter talks about how oh, I trained for three years to, to do scenes in a movie, whatever. Yeah. Um, 
It's like, yeah, yeah. It's to, like, quote, to quote Lawrence Olivier telling Dustin Hoffman to stop running marathons in the middle of the fucking night. It's called acting, son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they pay you to pretend, not to fucking yeah, do it. Jesus. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. But I mean, even like, um, you know, in another example, be Clint Eastwood's million dollar baby. But, mm-hmm. you know, the kind of the big flip was there was the gender swap. Right. And having right. Hillary Swank do that and yeah. kind of Clint East. But it's the same story. It's like the fighter was something to prove. The trainer was something to prove. The big fight. Will it go right? Will it go wrong? We've seen it. Mm hmm. The fighter, the David O. Russell film, was so different because he had all these insane scenes of like his sisters yelling at each other and like all these like weird, like very yeah. like deep Boston kind of moments that you kind of even forget the boxing matches in that movie because all you can remember really is everyone like Christian Bale yelling at people and that kind of you know it's like yeah like the texture of the world of the fighter like yeah like the fact that they got like didn't they get like the actual trainer yeah. of the fighter to play himself in the movie like yeah and I think you really like say what you will about David or Russell but you have to think that way if you're a yeah. director I think this genre has been like I mean, one of my favorites wasn't boxing, it was MMA. Gavin O'Connor's Warrior. Oh, yeah. Um, Same difference, though. Like, diff- well, what's the difference? Two Rockies. <laughs> like, that's like kidding. literally all that's the only difference. But it's like, <laughs> Let it, it's, there are two. Fight it. They're brothers. And then they have to fight at the end. You're like, okay, I. it's cheesy, but I'm in. Yeah, it works. Totally in. Like, it, like we're, I'm crying at the end of the fucking thing. Like, <laughs> I think it's awesome. Uh, but it's like finding ways in mm-hmm. that that are a little more personalized, a little like and there's something so rote and obvious about this entire movie. Mm-hmm. and it's not poorly directed like he does everything he needs to do there's great you know there's cool shots and everything like that but there's nothing to like distinguish it like to set it apart from the pack of like those ones those we frankly don't even remember the names of like they have like Edgar Ramirez or Leo Schreiber or whatever in them like there's right. I don't know what even those are called but i know they exist i mean even grudge match we remember the name because it was made us so sad and we just don't want to like like hard memory but it's like i don't think when i watch this movie didn't feel like antoine fuqua had a personal place he was coming from to kind of put a foot in there Mm -hmm. he was he was doing a job is what it felt like to me. Like he and he's a good enough he's a good enough director that it's not a bad job, but it's like he's just doing a job on a very incredibly, you know, deeply serviceable but non-surprising. There's nothing in this movie that's surprising at all. Well, and it's also like everyone so I'll make a a podcast admittance. I have committed one of the number one podcast sins. Oh man. I've, I forgot to freaking watch Southpaw. <laughs> I forgot to freaking watch Southpaw. This is a movie I have seen, so I have memories of it. Don't worry, I'm not. I'm not freeballing memory wise. No, oh. but uh, but uh, 
His I, memories I, are going commando. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> memories are going commando. Uh, you might as well be uh, get call a uh, call a uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger because my memories are going commando. Ugh, that's terrible. I need to get used to potting again. <laughs> this, is, this is this is getting rough. But uh, but uh, like yeah, like the thing I remember about this movie is that it was so like it's very middle of the road. Like everything is like a six out of ten in terms yeah. of like like nothing like nothing yet. Like it all like is well shot. It's all professional. Uh, all the actors do their part, uh, but it's also just very like kind of goes in one ear and out the. I remember like I liked the. Um, uh, I feel like the daughter had a good performance. She was pretty good. Like I liked it, and I remember her like the daughter being kind of like tired of Jake Gyllenhaal's bullshit, which I kind of yeah, found a little refreshing. Yeah, she, yeah, she's like, yeah, it isn't like I just need my dad back. There is. A- darker point in the movie where she's like i don't even want this asshole around <laughs> yeah this guy sucks i hate this guy which is kind of yeah. like that's kind of cool that's like one thing i remember liking about this movie uh it's 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 really it's a it's like so basically when we meet billy he's like at his like peak yeah he's living large he's probably like i i see what a fun thing they could have done is like open the movie with an episode of mtv's cribs Oh, like man. a fake cribs, and have him man. showing off his house. That would have been really fun. They didn't. You got to. You yeah. got to direct a. You got to direct a uh, boxing movie done. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to get Southpaw right. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> Northpaw. Uh, we kind of meet him, and we meet his family, and his wife is Rachel McAdams, and I'm a big Rachel McAdams. Oh yeah, fan. I think she's wonderful. Like I just um. She's got, like, such, she's got such a great naturalism. She's very earthy. Like, just a really, like, I really loved her. Like, everyone did. And Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret, earlier yeah. last year. I, I will say, uh, the movie I watched on New Year's Eve was Spotlight. <laughs> An insane movie to watch on New Year's Eve. She's, like, the best but part she's re- because she's the only one who's not, like, over She's hat, and she has, like, yeah. such, she's so good at displaying empathy in that film. Yeah, yeah, she's just, like... She's such a naturalistic actor, and I'm a big, yeah, just a giant fan. Yeah. Unfortunately, in this mm. movie, she, yeah, she shows up and she's like, kind of like, uh, she's supposed to be from the wrong side of the track. She's like, got it together, but she's still very sexy, and she's got like, you know, it is like, the uh, like, kind of role that Brittany Murphy would have played in 2003. Her, yeah, but it's like, her from the moment they show mm-hmm. up in there like she's in like her like tight ass leopard dresses and he's in his like big necklaces and earrings and like yep. shaved head you're like these two are playing dress up i don't buy this yeah at all that it is just like <laughs> they they're you know it just you look at their faces mm-hmm. and they're not the faces of people that Those have people. like you yeah. know and I'm not saying that in like a uh... no, but you watch. Here's another boxing movie. You watch Fat City, John mm-hmm. Huston's movie. You see Stacy Keach as a washed yes. up boxer. You're like, okay, but yeah, yeah, I see it, yeah, <laughs> yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Who's the actress in Fat City? Oh, Susan, Susan Terrell. Terrell. Yeah, Terrell. She she also fits that role perfectly. Like those two and people. And Jack have... Bridges does too as the young yeah. up and comer. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. And the reason why the. To, to the male and female leads of bets is like they're 
they they're people that have lived lives, and you can tell. No, and <laughs> God bless them. Like Rachel and Jake seem like Hollywood actors. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. And there's no shame in that. Yeah, there's like, not, it, and it works in other things. But when you're trying to do something that is like we're from this like hammers over and over and over again. We met in an orphanage. We're from this, you know. You almost want like the Safties to catch or uh, rest in peace, the um, Safties to cast like some dudes that they like found. Yes, and you know, on the flip side, like the um. The young upstart boxer uh, who becomes kind of his rival, Escobar, mm-hmm. is played by an actor named Miguel Gomez, and I bought every second of his performance. I really liked his performance in the movie. Yeah. I bought him as the antagonist. but He's great. I like. I also liked uh, – I feel like if I remember correctly in Southpaw, like uh, the titular Southpaw has like a gaggle of friends, yeah. and those guys are kind of fun too. Yeah. Like I like Victor Ortiz and Bo Knapp. Yeah, wasn't he like – Pretty ugly people. Yeah. Like, the two best looking people at the dive bar back home. Mm-hmm. Not the two best looking people in Hollywood to play these roles. Here's here's a, a, a person that I think could have played this role. Actually, I don't know. It'd have to be, it'd have to be maybe written a little differently. What about um, like a Ben Affleck? Well, that's a great. So I was thinking about Ben Affleck, in it as a comparison to Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. For like a long time, I don't think everyone kind of knew what Ben Affleck's like bread and butter, like sweet spot was mm-hmm. as an actor. Like I think they kind of did because it was Good Will Hunting. It was right there, but yeah. it was always right there. But. Yep. We've covered it on the show. We've talked about it on the show. Armageddon, and in particular Pearl Harbor. You're like, ooh, what is he doing in here? I like Geely. this guy. Geely. Yeah. Geely. I like this guy. But the second he's in Gone Girl, the second he's in like Triple Frontier, the second he's in that Clooney movie where he's the bartender, the tender bar. Yeah. You're like, oh, this is him. Yes. I believe him here. He's probably too old to play Billy Hope. That's but, the only thing. Yeah. You know, if they had written the script like 10 years earlier. Yep. But he would have played different. He, he wouldn't. Um... That's the problem is he's just like he just it's just a role he could have never played because by the time he kind of figured out himself, he was already like in mm-hmm. the 40s. Right. You know, and he was a little a lot with actors. I mean, Brad Pitt was kind of like that, too. It wasn't until he was about 40 where he really yeah. like found his sweet spot, too. And I think like this movie to me screams like and I don't mean this. As an insult, this movie's almost 10 years old, so, you mm-hmm. know. It's almost like he's screaming, respect me as an actor. Yeah. You know, I'm doing like, the thing. I'm doing the thing. I'm doing the thing that, like, De Niro does. I'm doing the thing that all these yeah. people do. Like, Daniel Day-Lewis does. I'm good. I'm a real yeah. actor. I'm not just some pretty boy. And... Treat me seriously. Treat, yeah, take me seriously. And... Despite the fact he'd already been in Donnie Darko, he'd already been in Brokeback Mountain, like yeah. multiple, he'd already been in Jarhead. Brothers. Um, yeah, brothers. <laughs> Another one. I don't know. <laughs> Treat me seriously. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, and then like, you know, he does like the flip side of things. It's like, 
when he does Nightcrawler, he's like, I'm going to lose weight and play crazy. Yeah. But it's not that different. <laughs> like, it's still kind of a Travis Bickle rather than Jake LaMotta. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, but, like, that's why we liked him so much in Ambulance, though, is because he didn't, he wasn't trying to win an Oscar. No. He wasn't, he was like, oh, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to be light yeah. and loose. And I like him when he's, um, kind of lets go of those hangups. Mm-hmm. And I wish he would do it more often. I hope that he, as he ages, gets more comfortable mm-hmm. with his place, maybe. Maybe he's just fighting for a spot among the young, hot actors at that time. So I'd like to, yeah, I mean, I'd love to see more ambulances out of him. I'd love to see more, like, a little looser, a little more relying on the charisma yeah. that's there and that kind of thing. Like, this, the other thing in this movie is he's like, He's playing like this inarticulate, undereducated, yeah, perhaps punch drunk, mm-hmm. emotional guy. But again, it's like it all feels like these are choices I'm seeing being made, and it's even in the script. It's not even. It's not just him doing this. Yeah, but, but it's it's, like... it's a but it's it's so clear that this is not a world he has ever inhabited in any capacity, and he just, he just yeah, don't buy it. And at the end of the day, I mean, going back to Eminem, it does feel like an Eminem impersonation. It feels like an impersonation of what Eminem would have done. Yeah. With it, the role, but it, without Eminem's strange. In 2015, it was even showing getting a little long in the tooth. It was like, if Eminem had done this in like 2003, it would have, like, Eminem's strange charisma would have really, like, like seized the day. In that oh regard. yeah, he he would probably be one of the most like he'd probably be if he a billionaire if like mm-hmm. he did like the eight mile and then like two thousand three era Southpaw one two punch yeah. like he'd be like yeah he and he'd be like acting still <laughs> yeah who knows step away for a moment and i figured out who i think could have played billy hope really really well Ooh, okay channing tatum i think is would have been the right guy for it duh man when you said that immediately i see it and it's like yeah because like he has and man we missed it because like magic mike just happened you know what i mean and you see it in foxcatcher he's playing a variation of this guy in foxcatcher to an extent yeah, well, and like Mike, and yeah. Jane Tatum is a guy who's kind of like he's didn't have like he had some tough years, you know, before <laughs> he had, got step up. Well, he's talented, but you totally buy him as a meathead. Yeah, like you know, it's um, yeah, you see it. He's got the physicality. Yeah. Like, yeah. Anyway, uh, Jake, J- J- yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal is just not a well, and it's like also like it's so. Wait, Jake is like we go back to Zodiac. Mm-hmm. He's terrific. He's like this weird nerd. Yes, he's like, he. There's there's just a he's um. And I say this with all the love in the world. He's a little nebbish. He has a nebbish quality to him. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong neb. with that. That's great. I'm nebbish. It's he's you know join the club, brother. Like yeah, it's <laughs> fun place to be. Yeah, <laughs> I love my little books and my my baubles. They're so yeah. much fun. Yeah. Um, 
So basically, like everything's going great for Billy Hope. Yeah, he's got this awesome house. The boys are back in town. His also the his, stupidest his, nickname, Billy the Great Hope. Yeah, I, I get but out that of here. Shows the thought process here. Um, he's, he's got a cool a, guy. Hope's got a smoking hot wife, who's also his childhood sweetheart, who's also like a really savvy like business manager for him and all that kind of thing. Uh, he's got yeah. this, he's got a deeply precocious, like only in the movies kind of cute daughter. Elisa Simpson-esque daughter. Uh, like like a, or a Dakota um, Manning in War of the Worlds. <laughs> and when we, we meet him, like his entire like boxing style is that he gets just the shit kicked out of him but he just kind of stays up so he can win the fights. Yeah, it's like <laughs> and, that one uh, scene in like fucking you know, uh, Raging Bull, where he just keeps getting beat up yeah, and he doesn't. And get, like, yeah, it's just that over and over and it's again. It's like a common trope. Like Rocky was like that. Mark yeah. Wahlberg and the fighter was like that. It's like makes you. It's like no, they're not good. They just like are good at getting beat up, and that makes them an underdog. I don't <laughs> <Yeah>. know. <laughs> like, <laughs> There's also that episode of The Simpsons where Homer is like that too. It's yeah, recurring theme. Boxing is so wild. Like, dude, I would. uh I, I got really into it like 15 years ago, like at the peak of like the Pacquiao Mayweather era. Really? Yeah, we were ordering the pay-per-views. It was like very involved. It, it'd be cool it. to go to go see like a like I I I wouldn't say no to like seeing it. Like I definitely it'd be an experience for sure. I think there is like this like despite the fact now it's like not even close to what like the romanticism of like yeah the the Ali era and that kind of thing like that everybody still kind of thinks about like I used to joke with my dad when we used to go to pub trivia oh there's no questions about the space race or like classic boxing so you're out of the mix for any answers like because you're of that generation well it's it's like it's like one of those things in the Apollo missions <laughs> well it's like it's it's like one of those things that's it's gone the way of like uh like horse racing and yeah. like opera like all that all, like there's just certain things that like ha- are no longer like uh they go in they're in vogue and they're out of vogue like i think you know too, shit in 20 20- um, if you're like a literary person boxing and horse racing and like that kind of stuff had people like Tom Wolfe and Norman Mailer. Oh yeah. Like writing like very like flow like very flowery prose yeah. about it that like takes you right there and you're like, oh, this is like very exciting. Like I'm, this seems like I'm a cool like, time. I feel like I'm right next to Seabiscuit himself. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I wonder if like yeah, this movie that we're watching now, it's like because it's modern, mm-hmm. it's not a period piece. Uh, it's modern to 2015. Um, makes it less interesting. Like the fighter who took place in the early 90s, so it kind of has this cool kind of maybe. Throwback I guess that's to a yeah, time when uh... boxing didn't seem like this this weird corrupt blood sport. Even though it was all, it's folks, it's always been a weird corrupt blood sport. Uh, like, pretty watch, much every watch, sport. Watch Cinderella Man with Russell Crowe, another one. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. yeah. Cinderella. Uh, a movie that like uh very uh wrongly portrayed Max Bear is like <laughs> an evil man that liked like punching people to their death. Like Yeah, it was um <laughs> borderline. Borderline. We'll put it that way. That was... A movie I like I liked Paul Giamatti's performance in it. 
Me great, too. Great, great part. Bring him up. Yeah, and he yeah. great manager, like the manager, a key role. We'll get to the manager in this movie. But yeah, the, that's, the boss, that's a highlight. Manager, manager, trainer character. This goes back to Burgess Meredith and um, mm. Rocky, of course, but also Joe Pesci in uh, Raging Bull. Oh, yeah. And it's continued onward. Christian Bale in um, The Fighter. You know, you get Aaron you know, Eckhart and Blade for this. Yeah. You know, and Aaron Eckhart yeah. with, a, with a fun bald cap. Good, good for him. Sully, yes. Sully's co-pilot, Aaron Eckhart. Yes, Aaron Sully's co-pilot, Eckhart. Yeah. Um, so there's concerns that Billy might be just like really on like a fast track to being punch drunk. Uh, yeah, and his career is like, even though like Jake Gyllenhaal is probably only like thirty three, thirty four, thirty five. Mm-hmm. when they make this movie he they're kind of displaying that he might be heading toward the end and he's also 42 and 0 wow so that's and, pretty, uh, he that's is, pretty he, good he, he is yeah he's very good he's um he is a southpaw although i don't think another thing the word southpaw is a very fun evocative word i think we can yeah. all agree it's cool, cool. It's sounds fun. cool it's got a, yeah just the up until the very end, totally minimal. And I think it's that this idea that he's unorthodox, that he's coming from the up, you know, that he's had to rise up, that he's not yeah. the typical kind of guy. Um, Except, but, like, I feel like a lot of boxers are from, like, yeah, stuff, he's, but besides he's, that, he's taught there's to- nothing. Mark Wahlberg having eight sisters who are all crazier than the next in the fighter. That's interesting. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like having eight, 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 like lady jokers. Yeah. That's in <laughs> a lunatic brother-in-law and Christian or cousin and Christian Bale, uh, like, or whatever man, his, yeah. whatever his relationship was. Yeah. So, um, Billy's manager though is like, no, no, no. We got to get more money out of this. His manager is Jordan Mayans, played by, of course, Fifty Cent. Gary oh, yeah. trying himself. Dun 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 dun. <laughs> In the club, baby. <laughs> um. Uh, basically, what happens is that they go to this fundraiser, and at the fundraiser, he bumps into young upstart, previously mentioned Magic Miguel Escobar. And his crew and Billy's crew and they kind of go at it and Miguel insults Maureen which is like the weirdest name for like a Rachel McAdams to have yeah not a Maureen not a Maureen no no um he insults <laughs> her which they start going at it gun gets drawn and holy shit Maureen gets shot and dies in Billy's arms yeah this is like the one moment of the movie that you're like Okay, that was diff. That like a bit of a surprise, I guess. And it's if she's a big star, you got to cast a big star Mm -hmm. for to like get that surprise. Yes, it's kind of like when you know it's 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 comparable to when Dave Franco of Six Underground meets his untimely end. Uh, Who can forget? Yeah, (laughs) who can forget? The, the all-time one, we're getting into spoiler territory, the all-time one that everyone my age who saw this still talks about, it's the first thing you talk about, executive decision yep. is the all-timer. Oh, Steven Seagal gets sucked out of that plane, effectively ending his mainstream career. 
too, which is kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like his career got sucked out of that <laughs> yeah, blade. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, Steve, they killed Steven Seagal? <laughs> oh, he's... Well, it's it's like, you know, when they talk about uh, it's, he's defeatable now. You know, yeah. he was beaten on the big screen. He can no longer, you know... It's not believable like, as, a, as a hero. You're so much happier. It's like, I'm so happy Kurt Russell's now just doing this on his own. I'd so much rather hang out with Kurt Russell. <laughs> yeah, this guy, other guy, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I couldn't believe it when we saw the theater. Everyone in the theater gasped. We were like, oh, what? Yeah, I forgot, like, yeah, there was just like a 10-year period where Steven Seagal was like on par with like Kurt Russell. He had like the number one movie at the box office. Multiple Man. times. And then that first batch, the three word movies Hard to Kill, Mark for Death, Out for Justice, Jesus Above Christ. the Law. Up, and then Under Siege was massive because Under Siege was essentially Die Hard on a Boat. Oh, yeah. With Tommy Lee Jones and Gary Busey. Oh, yeah. No. And oh, it's yeah. worth it, folks. If you're not a Seagal head, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Worth it for TLJ and Gary Busey just Dude, eating, the- eating the screen alive. <laughs> They're like, we know. <laughs> We're in this movie where this guy's a zero. Who's the lead? So we gotta like <laughs> we gotta we gotta really, we gotta really bring the heat. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Luckily you got two fucking hams and Tommy Lee Jones and Gary Busey. <laughs> just yeah, just two like Iberico Hamones. Yeah. Just like it yeah, is, yeah. In especially in Gary Busey's case, they don't make them like that anymore. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> so then this sets us down the road. We don't even need to. I'm going to skim through kind of the bad news, mon, the bad times montage here. But yeah. basically, he, you know what happens here. Yeah. He's in, he, oh, he's a mess. He's in mourning. Mm-hmm. He gets beat. He gets really beat by yeah. in the ring. He ends up headbutting the referee. Don't do he that. gets suspended for a year. <laughs> it's a mess. It's bad. His house and his belongs are repossessed. His trainer happens. His trainer abandons him. Fifty cents. Like I'm gonna go work for the guy who shot your wife. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> Fifty cent is like what a stinker. It's not like a. It's not a great performance, but he's like this character you need is the ultimate like capitalist opportunist kind of character like, who's just like yeah i'm just gonna take th- i'm i'm not lying to you i'm not hiding the fact i'm in this for the money i am not many... close to <laughs> you are not a fun hang billy it's not yeah. like hanging out because you're a good time that you got good insight you have no insights into anything you're an idiot because you you're, you've been beaten to oh and then but i mean the big issue is that he um oh man Child Protective Services shows mm. up after a particularly bad night, and oh, his daughter is put into their 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 world. And oh my god, Billy knows this world. Maureen used R.I.P. knows this world. Oh, I can't let it go down that. And I love my daughter, even though I have given no real. Like, <laughs> I love her because it's a movie. I'm supposed to love her daughter. <laughs> I love I love her because it says it on this thing I'm reading. There's a script here that it's like, yeah, it's like, you see, it's more, it's like, it's both, I gotta find my redemption in the ring, but maybe as a dad, too. <laughs> <laughs> what if the ultimate ring is fatherhood and... Um, 
<laughs> the belt so, is my daughter. <laughs> the CPS officer, Angela Rivera, is played by the great Naomi Harris, who I also really like. Oh, yeah, she's great. Yeah, of Miami Vice, among other films. Mm-hmm. Is insane. She almost immediately is like, yeah, Billy, you're a mess, but man, yeah. I can tell something. There's something about you. That you yeah, might yeah. find a way. You know what that something is? You're the lead of this movie. That's like, like <laughs> you have a protagonist's heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like this. The camera seems to be on you most of all, so there must be something on you. <laughs> there's a tw- there's a twinkle in your eye that says you're this being is... played by the actor that is getting paid the most. Yeah, that you're pl- being played by the most. You're the most. This is the most handsome person in this movie. He must be the star. <laughs> God damn. So he's got nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. And he heads to the Willis gym where he meets former boxer Tick Willis. Too silly. Tick Wills. Pardon me, not Willis. Tick Wills? Get Tick even Wills. sillier. No know. man would call himself that. Get out of here. And Tick Wills is played by Forrest Whitaker. And he rules. And we know from the second he hits the screen, he's going to be the trainer. Yeah, manager duh. kind he, of character. It's the role he's like currently like that's like his bread and butter right now. That type of and role, father figure, trainer, etc. The funniest et thing is everyone in this movie seems so unrealistic, so playing dress up. And the second Forrest Whitaker walks out of this like inner city gym, you're like, I buy it. I believe this man one hundred percent. I I am of the <laughs> belief. It's like, yeah. it's like such a sign of how good of an actor. I'm of the belief that like you know we were talking about how like some people can like he's like one of the few people Forrest Whitaker maybe like Daniel Day-Lewis is one of them too but like Forrest Whitaker is one of the few people where like he can transform himself and it's utterly like you ever seen him in the crying game like I believed he I I believed he was British in that shit like it's wild and he's from like fucking small town Texas yeah he's um he's a phenomenal actor and he's so real yeah, so authentic. Like you just buy him. Yeah, like, I think he just completely... has like the like his yeah. He and he's like he he's like a he's like a you know he's he has character. I think there's so no, many people there's don't. Like no artifice even when there's artifice. Like even yeah. when he did idiot mean. Oh like, my god. You know and yeah, forgot about that. He, I liked him in idiot. He's great yeah, in that. He's yeah. He won the Oscar. Yeah, deserved. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he um. They don't give him enough. No. To like, and he has to really rely on like, oh, he's haunted. Well, it's like every character that's not uh, Billy the Great Hope uh, is just like a piece of. It's like a tool in the script that's used to move his story forward. Like none of them yeah. really have like a sense of like identity they're, they're, they're there to assist billy's journey yeah exactly perform because i will tell you at the end of the final fight when naomi harris shows up dressed to the nines to watch from the luxury box with the daughter she's like no go billy you're like you flew the cps service person in new york flew to fucking las vegas after he's gotten his daughter back just because she's like so involved in like hoping for the best for Billy Hope, bullshit. Out of here, yeah. crazy. Who gives a shit? Come on, this movie is song, dumb. I felt, I felt like Billy, <laughs> Billy Freed kid right there. Who gives a shit? <laughs> 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 
Oh, man, just... And Uh... so he he knows Billy has got drug problems and he's Mm. a mess. And he's like, I'm not going to train you, but I'll offer you a janitorial job. Uh-oh, cue the inspiring music. Oh, yeah, there was one part, too. Like, Billy, at one point in his darkest time, he, like, gets a gun, and he's going to go, like, into the building that they all meet up at the end of Bronze Finest in to, like, shoot the guys who shot his wife. And you're like, no, this is, Billy. like, out of, this movie's out of control. And yeah. the reason I thought of that, so Billy returns to the gym, uh oh, he's making his way. We're making his way. Mm. And he meets an aspiring boxer there. Oh, and brother. Kinda gets involved in their life. And then he finds out this this kid gets killed. And it's like this entire like subplot. And you're like, oh, there's, there's no. just like what the fuck is going on? Yeah, there's too um, much happening. He's gonna win though. He fights a charity fight. Mm. He gets invited for a big, big fight. He gets to fight Miguel. Ooh. Tick is like, no, no, no. Billy, you're not ready. I can't do that. I don't train people. I don't train pro fighters. Something happened to me in my past that's very obscure <laughs> that has not been explained. But you get it because you've seen movies before. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> you can, I can allude to it because you can connect A to B. Yeah, because you know I'm haunted by something because I wouldn't <laughs> be in this shithole gym. I'd be in like the fancy gym training because I'm an awesome because I'm an amazing trainer. I'm like the best trainer, but yeah. why am I in the shithole? Clearly, I'm haunted by something. Something happened. I probably did something. I probably did something. But Billy's doing it. It takes yeah, like, like next scene. <laughs> oh yeah, takes upset he couldn't save the kid, so he's like, you know what that means? I'm gonna tra- I'm training you, Billy. <laughs> yeah, there's like a. Tra- I remember there's a training montage. There's oh, just yeah. a, a straight up just like vanilla training montage. That's essential. Since Rocky, you need to show them doing something awesome, like throwing yeah. tires, um, moving big ropes. We had Rocky though. At least I feel I watched the first Rocky movie like almost once a year. Mm-hmm. The training montage in that, you're like, oh my god, he could do it. That's yeah. what you feel. Like he's against all odds, this loser. He could do it and he's like his pride and his confidence are growing and because you spent an hour of him like buying turtles from adrian and like yeah he has like weird he's like such a weird rocky's weird that's like part of his thing he's a little weird weird but i think the other thing too is that like stallone understands him so well i mean that's why i mean stallone Clearly, to this day, it confuses himself and Rocky. Yeah, he's like, he's like, a, he's like, he has like Rocky, Rambo, and himself mm-hmm. are just kind of a, a mishmash in his head. Yeah. And I think, like, but you have to have a training montage because you have to show that's going down. But it's like, this is all so by the numbers. And you're like, I don't know. Mm. And yet, they get to Las Vegas. Hmm. And he starts fighting Miguel. And I really, like I said, I like the actor who plays Miguel because he's a good antagonist. And that gets you on Jake's side mm. a lot more in this final fight. And you get, I got, like, this was the only part in the movie where I begin to get um, caught up in it. Yeah, because you're like a... in this final fight. 
you know, I'm rooting for him. And Forrest Whitaker is doing such a good job of like amping him up and trying to like, and we realize it's like very like, oh, what everything you have learned, Billy, over the course of the previous two hours about how to be a better man is going to be <laughs> tested in this boxing match. <laughs> like, Every tire you moved control come your in anger. handy. Control your anger. Fight smart. Don't let this guy get in your head. Don't, you know. Remember and, your daughter. And then, of course, he's got a finishing move, which is that they've trained on. Turning Southpaw and slamming him with a furious uppercut. And no! It's been back and forth. It's a split decision. Billy mm-hmm. is the champion again. Wow. Uh, tears in his eyes. <laughs> Quote like Caddish. Tears in his eyes, I guess. <laughs> like, <laughs> and um, he and his daughter hug for the first time since his wife, her mother's death. Mm-hmm. They tell each other they love each other. Cut to the credits. Cut to the Eminem song because Eminem did the soundtrack to this movie. And you know, that's that's either going to open or close this episode, by the way. Yeah, probably. Um, oh, I should note, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal did tons of reading on boxers, orphan boxers, the spirit of gyms mm. all over America, children who start early, and the history of foster care in America. Okay. And he spent five months training as a boxer. Eminem uh, would later praised Jake Jones before noting that Jake smashed it. <laughs> hey, you know what? I, I'd like, I, I'd be happy to get that praise. Yeah. And so it ends and you're like, <laughs> it's you know, know. In, in one ear, out the other. And that's life. You yeah. Know, it's, and... it's, it's, a, you know, it's an airport. Or airport airplane movie. It's very much like you watch it. This is like a movie that feels like it's designed to be watched in a place where you can't really hear too well, mm-hmm. and so you just have to like kind of like watch what's happening on screen and just understand to it what's happening. You're very aware <laughs> of all the beats you've got yeah. down. Um, this movie is also the one of the first of the Antoine Fuqua movies we've watched that we've been a little hard on. Mm-hmm. Hard on. <laughs> 13-year-old could be coming out. <laughs> uh, hard, hard at? We've been um, critical of. Yeah. That I also believe we will have multiple listeners who this is like their favorite movie, and they saw that there's a podcast talking about this movie. I'm sorry if you're one of those people. I'm and sorry like, there's... if you are. We, yeah, and... We're trying to be level-headed and not too cruel here. Well, and or, here's like, mean. I don't think we have been mean. But but here's the thing, though. Like, great news for you. If you were a person who you're a Southpaw head, you're just a freak for a Southpaw. Oh, my goodness. Have we suggested so many movies you're going to like <laughs> fucking your mind is going to be blown. You're going to watch a dozen <laughs> other boxing movies, at least. Yeah. <laughs> and Executive Decision, which if you haven't seen that, you'll love it. <laughs> yeah, that'll become your favorite movie. Yeah. If, if Southpaw is your favorite film, watch Executive Decision, then Raging Bull. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think like, because I think if you're at the right age and right time and right interest, this could be very easily. Oh, and hell I think, yeah. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal's performance has a lot of surface traits mm-hmm. of a very committed and massive performance. 
He's he's trying his damnedest, and you can he see him trying his damnedest. Yes, you can see him trying, and like, yeah, it is interesting because like, um, and I guess brought that just, up... you know, fans of movies and performances, I just don't love seeing the seams as much. How do you feel about a like a Bradley like a Bradley Cooper trying to do a Southpaw? Do you think he could achieve? Is I he think... like? <laughs> is it Maestro? My Bradley Cooper is Leonard Bernstein as Southpaw. I think um I would love it because I I think um It's so funny. I think people have been very hard on Bradley Cooper. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because I admire his insanity. Yeah. And like his like go for bro like because I think it's coming from a very like deep seated place that I don't know what that is. It's for him, it's but it's a it's... there's a profound honesty to what he's doing. Yeah, and, like like an honesty to it. Like yeah. the sweatiness, I admire a little bit more than I do in yeah. most who are equally sweaty. <laughs> but I read this review of Meister that was like, we used to live in a proper country where an insane man who desperately wanted an Academy Award was praised for that. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, yes, tip of the cap to you, Bradley, for not hiding. Yeah, he promised Maestroing, you crazy diamond. I want, yeah, yeah, man. Like, we need more. God bless, like, the, um, safe nature of like the George Clooney directing actors turned directors in the world. Yeah. We need an insane actor yeah. to decide that they're an auteurist director. <laughs> we, we need a guy who is a genuine like and I say this in the most polite and nice like a lunatic. We need a yeah. wonderful lunatic. Like a mad a madcap lunatic. A fun like, Willy Wonka-esque figure. A, a true old school mad scientist movie yeah. person. Someone who's and and I wish like yeah I think that Jake might have that in him but he needs to let his freak flag fly more a little bit more be freakier yeah be freakier because I I can see him doing a maestro like I can see Jake did oh he didn't he want to wasn't that like a or did I misread that I thought he was like the person that wanted to play portray uh, Leonard Bernstein at one point wouldn't um wouldn't have been as good or interesting wouldn't no it wouldn't the there's a lot of layers to the bradley cooper variation on it that are yeah going to it's gonna take it's gonna take years much like the zodiac case it's gonna take years to like the maestro case the 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 pathology of maestro (laughs) yeah because like he's not playing leonard bernstein in that just to be clear folks he's playing maestro like that's yeah it's it's i've I've only and i've only seen 10 minutes of it we had to turn it off because we were trying to watch the kid at the same time. I was like, I can't focus. Yeah, this no, you crazy. Gotta... This movie's nuts, and I gotta like give my give my full self to it. I saw that movie with my parents, and yeah, oh my god, there I are just su- some. I was supposed to see it with my mom. She would have hated it. Oh yeah, no, my parents hated it. My parents, yeah. Um, there and there's like parts in it where it's like, what is it? Like, uh, we're gonna watch Snoopy in the vestibule. Like there, there are these like scenes that are just so bizarre and could only come from like a like a, just a madcap genius yeah i think he is man <laughs> he's like he's working in a different place i think he's yeah. a real like gut level 
I don't know if he's a great artist, but he's definitely an artist. Like, oh man! Oh, 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 oh man! Also, final tangent. Uh, because you know this is also just uh Don and Patrick catching up and yeah. sharing newbie news with each other. You know that's that's half of what this podcast is. Did you see uh, Dominic Sessa's the kid from the Holdovers? His like favorite movie list. No, I didn't. Oh my god! So like I, I bring this up just because you said there are people that Southpaw might be your uh you know might be their favorite movie, and I need to pull I need to pull this well, list like, up. It's like eighteen years old. I mean, so, I yeah, can only imagine. Oh, it's interesting. That's the thing. Yeah, because people it was it was actually kind of heartwarming, warm warming, not warming, uh, heartwarming because uh my heart does not have worms. Uh. Twitter Good. was uh, defending him, which was nice. Yeah. They're like, "Yeah, he's just a kid. He's like twenty. He's, you know, yeah. let him grow up." But like his uh, his uh, four favorite movies are. Uh, I'm gonna start off with like the the old, earliest one, Election, the Alexander okay. Payne movie, great movie, and then uh, La La Land, okay, A Star Is Born, and then American Sniper. <laughs> oh, right on, man. He's <laughs> a the big he's, he's a Cooperhead. He's a Cooper head. It was like, that's like, and I, and I, there was a part of me that's like, you know what? That's so much fucking cooler than saying your favorite movies are like, you know, Citizen K or even like, you know, nowadays kids are probably saying, you know, my favorite movies are like seven, like Tokyo story. And like, they're going for like a, the, that, that next level of deep cut. Like they're probably going to drop a, a Tarkovsky or a, which are great. Like those are all incredible, but it's, it's, it is cool. Just seeing a kid be like, nah, man, my fucking favorite movies are La La Land and American Sniper. La La Land comes out when he's like in middle school, maybe early yeah. middle school. Like, that would have, that would have had a huge impact on me too. I yeah. would, having never seen anything or anything, and you see a movie like that that has like a real swagger to it, like that movie has, regardless of what you think of it, you have to admit it's like yeah, there's a lot just, going on in that movie. Just, it's like yeah, you know, I love the beginning sequence. That part rolls when they're all dancing yeah. in the traffic. That's a lot of fun. Like, like there's good stuff in that movie. And if you've never seen like any of Damien Chazel's influences, then you'd probably be pretty blown away. I know, like yes. when I saw. Boogie Nights. I didn't know any like Robert Altman movies or anything like that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Oh, you know, when I was yeah. in high school, I was like, man, Boogie Nights is incredible. Oh, like, I feel you. Like, yeah, like a hundred percent. Like, there's so many like, and you and you still do. Like, you know, I still love Boogie Nights. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. Well, and like, yeah. And the great thing is that all these directors are building off of something, but they're also creating their own thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think that gets kind of back to our thesis here about not necessarily creating your own thing and just kind of like mm. following in suit of the expected tropes. Oh, that'd be a good. This. That might be a good name for the good title for the expected tropes. The expected tropes. <laughs> um, Southpaw has a sixty percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which is a little, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's about right. Yeah, squeak, hey, squeaked on, squeaked it, squeak, got that fresh. C minus. Yes, he might have seen your pat is it's like Chris Farley and Tommy man. Boy. <laughs> Just like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. A plus movie right there. Um, oh yeah, that's a cinema score of a million. Yeah. It's a million. It's it broke the cinema score. Um <laughs> Critical Consensus reads Jake John Hall delivers an impressively committed performance, but Southpaw beats it down with a dispiriting drama that pummels viewers with genre cliches. Did get an A cinema score though. Like people I like well, you, I think people love this movie. I think well, sure people really love this movie. Yeah, well, and I think just because, like, yeah, I think it's like what we were talking about earlier. Like, I feel like this is like a lot of kids. This might be their first like 
big like boxing movie and if you haven't seen Rocky or Raging Bull or The Fighter or yeah. 500,000 other boxing movies, you'd be like, oh, wow, this is compelling. Uh, Michael Phillips, the Chicago Tribune, gave it two and a half stars out of four, mm. saying the script may have hamburger for brains, <laughs> but uh, I love that. slams it home with the help of actors who give it their all, even with giving it a little less might have made things more interesting. <laughs> Damn, man, that's Michael a, Phillips. That's just, not, not yeah. bad. Not yeah, bad. he pulled um, out the big guns. A.O. Scott of the New York Times, who we've found some agreement with over the years. Yeah, of doing this Solid. show. Um, I wish I could say Southpaw was a knockout or even a contender. Hmm. That it went the distance or scored on points. Okay, going heavy on the uh, boxing uh, lingo there, A.O. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's here. But it's strictly an undercard about displaying enough heart and skill to keep the paying customers from getting too restless. <laughs> um, Benjamin Newton of the New York Times compared the film to Robert De Niro, stating, Pity Jake Gyllenhaal, who, despite getting shredded for South Park, could not outbox the shadow of Robert De Niro's Raging Bull performance. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Well, and yeah, he just, yeah, I mean. Yeah, it's tough, man. It's a tough... Predict- uh... Predictable flurry of melodramatic jabs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it seems like Hall's performance was actually quite divisive. Some people, I think... I guess if you met like a young actor, like Dominic Sessa, mm-hmm. for instance, but I don't know if it's him exactly. It's just an example of a new young actor. If they saw this movie, they'd be like, that's good acting. Oh, yeah. If Lucas yeah. Edges, I bet he watched this movie while, you know, filming Ben is back or whatever. And he was like hooting and hollering. <laughs> hooting and hollering. Um, <laughs> this was uh, James Horner's final score, by the way. It's a little, no, yeah. No. Well, that's uh, why I saw like I saw like all the it's like these are all like like Avatar people because John Refo was the yeah. editor for Avatar. Mara Mar- Fiori is like worked with uh, Antoine Fuqua for a long time, though. So that makes sense. Yeah, I bet Refo has too, probably. Yeah, it's interesting that, uh, like, JC decided to really uh, poach a lot of Antoine Fuqua's uh, people. Yeah, well, it's like, was it? He saw Tears of the Sun and was like, I like how this is shot. I'm going to use this guy for Avatar. Everything looks good, you know, and it, like, sounds good. And there's Mm -hmm. nothing cheap, there's nothing half assed. I think. Oh, it should be noted it grossed fifty-two mil. This movie grossed fifty-two million in North America, thirty-eight in other territories for a gross of ninety-two million against a budget of thirty million. Not bad. Depending on uh, all of the hidden Hollywood costs, that's not bad. Yeah. Hmm. Well, um, and I and I will say too that one thing I do appreciate about Antoine Fuqua is that he hasn't like he's always made films that are geared specifically towards adults that aren't like, I feel like he hasn't really done like, has he done like a superhero thing? Not really. He's right. He's got this sci-fi thing. We're going to have to watch with Mark Wahlberg. Oh yeah. Uh, infinite uh, is what it's called. I don't know. I, just, I don't know. I, I just, I just I, like lost a year of my life thinking about that. Yeah, I don't oh. know what, what the hell that is. At what have all. we done? I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Get me off this ride. The roller coaster still this... moving. But, I uh, want to leave. It's um, yeah, I agree, and I think, you know, he's taking the steps 
Mm-hmm. And I and I wonder if these movies, like if he, if Antoine Fuqua would come up as a filmmaker in the seventies or even the eighties, you know, mm-hmm. what would be the response? What would be the impression of these movies? You know, when he's up, you know, it it would be interesting. I think, yeah, and I think it's just I think he's beholden. I think that they've, you know, at the end of the day, they should have just dropped this movie after Eminem dropped out. Yeah, yeah. it's just, it, it really lives or, it really, I feel like this type of script really lives or dies on the lead. And Eminem I, is probably the one person that could have filled that, or Channing well, Tatum, like you said. I think he'd be good, but at the end of the day, it still wouldn't be hugely memorable. I think you just nah. believe him as Billy a little bit more. I think this was written to capture the zeitgeist that was the pop cultural moment of Eminem and mm-hmm. you can get away with cliches. You can get away with by the numbers when it's someone so big and so kind of unexpected. And when in you, the, in part of the, part of the moment, the current moment, like, yeah, like you said, the guys, yeah. when it becomes just another really fit young actor trying to prove, trying to like prove their, you know, chops, in a cliche-ridden script that you can telegraph from a mile away that nothing is really earned or gained. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you know, left with a movie that's like, yeah, like you said, a fine airplane movie. Yeah. And, like... yeah, at the end of the day, it was, yeah, not, it's not, um, you know, I had not seen it before this time out, and, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think this was the impression I got from the trailer, even. Yeah, Everything just... I just said, I couldn't tell you about the trailer. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, if you watch, yeah, if you watch the trailer, you'll, pro- you'll probably immediately get the gist and the entire plot of the film, with the exception of those few minor weird details, like the s- child services, like Naomi Harris's character. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and that could have been dropped. Oh, entirely. big time. Yeah. yeah. And, but, so, the other day, you decide if you are the one of these people who this is your favorite movie. Mm. Don't come at us. Nope. And be mean. No. But please come at us with be nice. thought, with a thoughtful counter argument. That's what I'd like to hear. A thoughtful counter argument. I would about love what that. differentiates this movie from any other paint by numbers story of this nature. Drop us a line. At the Academy Academy Podcast at gmail.com or an X at the Acad Acad. We will be certain to get back to you. Mm-hmm. Next week on the program, we're covering a movie that was a little bit better received mm. than Southpaw. And that is, of course, 2010's The Social Network, which <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> somewhat I mean... better. Somewhat better received. Um yeah, this is um this is a big one. Big yeah. movie. Uh, this was my favorite movie for Social Network was my favorite movie for like maybe like two or three years. Like when it came out, that movie was like I remember knockout. absolute yeah. knockout. I think yeah. I saw it like three or four times in theaters, which I I'm not usually like a multiple movies in theater type of guy, but that movie like really yeah, it's it's a number um, on me. Yeah, and I'm excited. I mean, I watched it maybe last year, but definitely the year before was the last time I saw it. Um, excited. To take another look at it as usual um it's kind of a it remains a provocative and interesting movie oh, 14 years after its release can you believe that 2010 
Yeah. Well, now face. I'd love to, the rare movie of that nature where I would actually be kind of interested in seeing a sequel. Like, I'd love to see David Fincher ca- tackle like <laughs> what comes after that mm-hmm. portion of, of of history with Facebook. And I like the, I had this interesting theory that um, for a long time, and I'll try and put it into words better for next week that uh tree of life which came out the year before social network was the last movie and social network was the first new movie Mm. and everything has been in the trail of social network since and how to make like a good movie and how to make like a proper film like the first modern movie to the modern era so like that's like the current the current template for uh the perfect film quote unquote is like the social network like all the beats that movie makes yeah yeah I, I can see kind that. of and how it's dealing with very modern thing like the internet and kind of social networking and alienation and and um modern alienation money well tech. and it's well it's also interesting that that movie is kind of like in a low key way it is sort of comparable to like Pulp Fiction, in mm-hmm. the sense that like it did spark a new genre. Like instead of like having these like I guess make movies comparable to Pulp Fiction, like you know acerbic hitmen and wacky situations or whatever. Like there are so many movies well, that I mean, do social that. network for yeah, Blackberry, Dumb Money, Flaming Hot, Alone, Flaming Hot, um, Air. One about Air. And it's also a weird thing that's very modernistic of late capitalism of like you're critiquing, but you're also kind of praising their success. Like air was so weird because it was like we're kind of making like Nike Mm -hmm. look like the underdogs. And it's like this beautiful underdog story about this like thing that became this mega corporation that uses sweatshops and everything in between <laughs> yeah like, the... phil knight donates to many republican causes and that kind of thing. yeah like <laughs> also his son is like the is yeah. like the, the premier stop motion animation in the states <laughs> yeah it's but it's like it's it yeah it's like and i think that's one of the interesting things about the social network that the rest of those movies don't get is that um i think fincher understands like we've kind of talked about Fincher being the ultimate insider outsider simultaneously. He understands the queasiness and the lack of humanity of this, of these major successes Mm -hmm. quite a bit. Lots to talk about when we get into that social network. If you haven't seen it, if you haven't seen it for a while, uh, it is currently on stars. Of course, baby. naturally it's on the um star and it was it just had a really long run on netflix but now it's uh these movies that's the other thing i've noticed since we've been doing this show and trying to track these things like every month like one of them they will be streaming somewhere but they're just bouncing between like <laughs> stars and paramount plus and prime and netflix and hulu you can find them it's just you don't know what month they're gonna be where yeah basically. it's well it's like uh i think like the, the godfather movies are no longer on paramount plus which is insane but i think they're on amazon prime wow i just passed or showed uh, something i don't know yeah it's it's so it's like it's hard to keep up but it's mm-hmm. out there 
It's on Stars. There's a really good Blu-ray. Oh yeah, um, I have that Blu-ray. Yeah. Um. So many ample opportunities to watch the Social Network. Week after that, um, we are going to be taking a look at 2016's The Magnificent Seven. Ooh, which I'm uh, actually, it's not. I've heard it's not great, I have, but I'm, I have seen. Oh um, no! Oh no! You're not. not did I did not love at the time. <laughs> I'm fascinated a, by the cast. Fun cast. Fun cast. It's a classic story. It's another kind of example of what we were just talking about, though, of like when you're facing down Seven Samurai and the Yule Brenner, Steve McQueen, Magnificent Seven. Um, you better do mm. pretty good. Or else you're going to be the redheaded stepchild pretty fast yeah. of that group. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, tough. You better find like a niche or like a way to, yeah. you know, One shift thing I the remember, paradigm. Like, I'm looking forward to see if I was wrong. I found it very visually ugly mm. when I watched it before. It had like it. I didn't like the color scheme. Like it was really desaturated. I don't know. And I think it's yeah. It just and I think it was an attempt to to have a different look mm-hmm. than the its predecessors. But it's um. Yeah, it's kind of it's interesting. And Western's very hard to make in 2016 with the expectations on how things are supposed to look. Yeah, it's Western just should a t- be kind of grind- Western should be kind of dusty, and dusty mm-hmm. movies don't fly as much these days. Yeah, and there's just not a lot of actors that can fulfill. Like, I feel like the last um, what's like the last Western? I maybe like the 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 uh, Coen Brothers film. Yeah, that was very good. Like modern. Yeah. Oh, you saw the the Walter Hill. The yeah. uh, Walter didn't have enough money. Oh, yeah. It's. I mean, it felt kind of yeah. cheap. Uh, but I mean, at this stage in his career, it was just cool to have another Walter Hill movie. Um, Peter Sarsgaard is the villain in the Magnificent Seven remake. I remember enjoying quite a bit. I'm a big Peter Sarsgaard fan, so I'm excited oh, yeah. to talk about that. Um, this Magnificent Seven remake is on AMC Plus. <laughs> Got that? Jesus. Um, Good gravy. <laughs> Good gravy, yeah. Uh can also be rented and um I'm sure that there's a DVD or Blu-ray. It's 26, yeah. 2016. There was there was one. Like it's yeah. out there somewhere. We're like, we're like we're like five years away from just remaking cable. Yeah. We're we we're kind of already there, but like we're we're like so close. So it's um some exciting times ahead. We're we're heading toward the like, very modern era of filmmaking Mm -hmm. which is kind of an interesting place to be i'm kind of looking forward to someday getting back to like movies of like 80s and backwards yeah something yeah something that's a little less modern like Mm -hmm. yeah something of like the sea of love era i know sea of love's on netflix right now and i kept like i was thinking about it i was genuinely thinking about throwing that bad boy on yeah i kind of want it doesn't that make you uh want to like just hatch a baseball a baseball I, I will say, and I guess this is my personal preference, out of the three actors we have um covered mm-hmm. on the show. Um Al Pacino's movies are such an easy press play, even though we watched him a million times still. Yeah, well out and of he's, all three of them. I mean he's like the perfect vehicle for this project we're doing because he has the perfect like he has the 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 right balance of high highbrow, lowbrow, yeah. uh, 
by the numbers projects, insane personal projects. Like he's kind of done it all in a way that's very fascinating. I got very close to pressing play on Still of the Night with Meryl Streep and Roy Scheider, though, the other day, which is one we did not cover for the show that Ooh. I was kind of interested in. On the Pure Cinema podcast, it was claimed it was basic, basically it's basic instinct is the plot line. But without all, uh, like, not as sleazy as basic instinct. Unfortunately. I, would, I would love to, yeah. It'd be fun to dip our toes back into the street pool at some point in the future. Some Maybe point, we will. Yeah. Maybe she's, not. I don't know. She's, she's still out there. <laughs> yeah, she's on. The, she's on the lamb still. Describing her, describing <laughs> her like at the end of the Dark Knight with Gary Oldman's speech. It's a dark night. It's like <laughs> Meryl Streep's like running away from the cops. Anyway, we are um, big very happy to be back. Very happy to be. Yeah back in the groove of things after a few weeks of being a little off kilter thank you for your patience with us mm-hmm. we are excited uh i noticed we had a lot of um seems like we have a lot of new listeners the zodiac episode seems to shocker of shockers has brought people <laughs> into the show interesting what a, su- what a surprise zodiac of course the the movie everyone who enjoys is utterly obsessed with and can hear the same information over and over again much like the characters in that film <laughs> yeah we're all zodiac we're all little we're yeah. all little jake gyllenhaal's doing our we puzzles. are all we are all robert graysmith so on that note for patrick i am don we will see you next week we promise on the academy academy <laughs> have a good one i have nothing funny to say Think I'd be back, did you how about that I'm somehow now back to the underdog But no matter how loud that I park This point is something I never bow out at I complain about the game, I shout in the pout It's a love hate, but I found out that I can move a mountain of doubt Even when you bitches are counting me out and I-